I'm so excited to preach this morning. I'm a little combustible, so you guys are going to have to kind of bear with me. Pastor Nancy called me on Saturday to ask me for some notes for the sermon. I was on the phone with her within like five minutes. She goes, I don't know if you realize, but you're screaming at me. I said, oh, sorry. <laughs> she goes, you're already preaching in my ear, top force. I said, I'm really sorry. But I'm excited for what God wants to do today. And I'm excited about his heart. Because I believe this, this series that we went taps into God's heart. Pastor Chris started our new series last week called Gifted. And he gave you an intro of what the, the, the series was about. And it's about the church being filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's about the church operating in the gifts of the Spirit and being the church. And if I were to pick my topic to preach on, I'm in it. This is where I would preach all day, every day, every minute, every moment. Because I truly believe a personal calling. So my personal calling is to be an igniter for the church and to see the church be the church. That's my heart. If I could scream something every day that burns within me, that's it. It's to see the church be what Jesus died for. And see, the thing is this. I don't know church any other way. I got wrecked really early for the kingdom. I saw my first miracle when I was eight years old, and it wrecked me. I saw a limb grow in front of my eyes. A woman had massive back pain, all kinds of issues. They had special shoes made for her because her feet were like this. And I watched an evangelist pray for her, and her legs shot out. I was wrecked. That was, I was praying over everybody. Everybody's limbs were growing. That's how I felt. My second miracle was like 11 or 12 years old. I went with somebody to the hospital on a visitation. Woman had cancer this thick on her neck. And as we prayed, I watched it vanish. I was wrecked. I wanted to go through every hospital room, every ICU, and just empty them. Can I tell you I haven't changed? That's still what's in my heart. That's the church I know. That's what I understand the church to be. And can I tell you something? That's the church Jesus built. And that's what we have to remember this morning. Jesus did not build a church of words. He didn't build, because that's a lecture hall. That's not church. He didn't build a place of debate. That's a classroom. He built a church on power. How do we know that? We know because he told the disciples to go to the upper room and wait. He, they had all the information. They had all the lessons. They had the experience. But he said, you're not ready. Go sit in the upper room and wait for what? For my power. Wait for my power. When the power came, now what he said, now go. Because now you're ready to be the church. Before that, you weren't ready. You just had some facts. You had information. You could be good people. But I haven't called you to be that. I've called you to be the church. And what happened in the upper room is very simple. All their knowledge, all their information, all their education, all their experience with Jesus now got set on fire. And it was no longer here. It was now here. And then the church was ready to be the church. You see, Jesus built a church that looked like him. Jesus was filled with power. Think about Jesus' life. Everywhere he went, healing, deliverances, Miracles, signs, wonders. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It oozed out of him, and everybody wanted to be around him. Thousands of people were around him, and there was no Instagram. Think 
for a minute. How did word spread? By mouth. Oh, Jesus is coming with you. Thousands of people. How does that happen when there's no printing press? There's no phones. There's no Instagram. Come on, church. It was the anointing. It was the anointing. It was the power of God over Jesus. And everywhere he went, people went and were healed and delivered and set free. And then when the disciples got touched with power, the same thing happened again. Jesus said, you will do greater works than I do. Why? Because now there's not just one person filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There should be millions filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like when a million people get on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to walk this earth? Come on. That's the church. That becomes the church. Because everything else that's been built is not the church. I'm going to be real today. Is that all right? I'm going to be real today. We got a lot of buildings that are up that got pretty programs and nice things, but they have no power. That's not the church. It's not the church that Jesus built. And I'm not interested in being a part of a church that Jesus didn't build. That's called a waste of time. I want to be part of the church that Jesus built. And the church that Jesus built was filled with power was filled with the move of the Spirit, was filled with signs and wonders, was filled with prophecy, was filled with word of knowledge, was filled with word of wisdom. Filled. That's what the church should look like. See, we keep trying to find a new way to do church. It's a mistake. We keep looking for different strategies and ideas to do what the Word of God already told us how to do. He told us how to build church. I'm okay with being relevant. I want to be relevant. I want to speak a language that this world can understand and get saved. I get it. But I'm not willing to throw the power out to do it. I'm not willing to get rid of how Jesus built his church to move forward. I want to move forward in how he built his church. That's what power Jesus wants to fill us with. I'll give you a simple example. Pastor Nancy and I were out for dinner on New Year's Eve. And we're sitting in the restaurant. And I look over across the restaurant and I see this beautiful, regal African-American woman, probably in her 70s. And she's sitting there, she's all dressed up, but she's by herself. But she orders two meals. And she orders two drinks. She's got a big old salad. So something in my heart pulled towards her. I said, Lord, what's her story? And instantly he gave me word of knowledge. He said her husband died this year. They celebrated New Year's Eve like this every year. And this is the first year she's celebrating without him, but she kept their tradition. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to pay her bill and tell her it's from me. Tell her, I know this is your first year without your husband, but you'll never have a year without me. I said, okay. So I called the waitress over and I said, can I have, I wanted that woman's bill and I explained to her what I'm doing. She starts crying, of course. She's like, oh, that's amazing. I'm like, I need you to stop crying because she can't know it's me. So stop it. <laughs> stop that. Then next thing I know, the manager comes over because he's so, he wants to bless us and comp our bill. I'm like, I need everyone to stop George's attention. Stop it. Now I have four waitresses over and everyone's crying. But we sent her that message. And that woman, I can't even begin to tell you what she looked like. Elated. Elated, teary, emotional, blessed. She couldn't believe 
that the Lord would reach out to her like that. But he did. He did. That's what the church is supposed to be, family. It's not about what he spoke to me. I was, I was absent. It's not about me. It's about me allowing the Holy Spirit to use me for the kingdom to advance. That woman will never be the same again. And that's not for me. That's for us. That's for the church. The church is meant to look like that. And everything else is not the church. Everything else is just fun. The church is about power. The church is about anointing. The church is about the move of the Holy Spirit on display. I want to show you this in scripture. Open up your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to go for it this morning, amen? I want to give you a little bit of background before we start reading. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth was planted properly. It was a healthy church. It was planted properly, and it began to veer off. It began to lose its mind. It began to do things on their own, began to add things that they shouldn't add. They began to think they know better, right? And they began to veer off, kind of like the church in America. The Church of America has veered off. We've become something else. We've started doing things a little differently than we're supposed to. And so the Church of Corinth does that. They start doing things the way they did. They allow some carnality into the church. They're allowing all kinds of things going on. And Paul writes a letter to begin to set them straight and put them in order again. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the power, that your faith should not be built in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So powerful. And so if I break this down for us, Paul's beginning to adjust the people because they've lost their mind. And he begins to say, hey, I didn't come to you with this or that. I came this way. And if I use our vernacular, he said, I didn't come to you with a bunch of talk. I didn't try and impress you with my words. I didn't come and make some beautiful soliloquy of what I wanted you to do. I came to you with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I came to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's how we started this thing. I didn't come to you persuading you. I didn't come trying to be fancy. I came to you under the demonstration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's how we started. And you've moved. And he goes, I want to sit in verse 5 for a minute because verse 5 is really the crux of this message. He says, thanks guys, that, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but the power of God. Family, if you catch me this morning, this is it. This is where we mess it up. This is it. We begin to move, we build well, and then we begin to move in our wisdom. We begin to move in our understanding. We begin to measure things by what works for us. We begin to use our own rationale and our own thinking. And the scripture's full of things that say, lean not on your own understanding. That's what it says. Lean not on your own understanding. The scripture says there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is destruction. 
So your wisdom and your knowledge is not how you're supposed to build your faith. You say, well, I, I, I can't use my reasoning. No, you can't. The scripture says your faith can't be built on that. It has to be built on the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is only built that way. Faith's not built because you understand faith. Faith is not built because it makes sense. Faith is built on trusting God and walking in what he has. That's how faith is built. Faith's not built on wisdom. Your wisdom is fleeting. Your wisdom is empty. Your wisdom is limited. Limited. You don't know everything. We think we know everything. We don't know everything. And as you get older, you know what you find out? You know less. You know less. When you're younger, you think you know everything. And then life throws you five, six, seven, eight, twenty curveballs, and you go, I know nothing. I know nothing. Your wisdom is fleeting. Faith doesn't build that way. And can I tell you something you need to understand today? Oftentimes, the wisdom of man and faith in God are opposite. They are opposite. They are not even opposite. They are contrary. They are at war with one another. You know why? Because oftentimes, faith does not make sense. Faith does not make sense. Faith oftentimes looks ridiculous. You say it looks ridiculous? Absolutely it does. We all love the stories in the Old Testament. We love them. Let's look at them for real. All right? Everyone loves the story of Goliath falling to the ground. Fabulous ending. Walls of Jericho falling down. Fabulous ending. Let's go to the genesis of that story. Let's look at how ridiculous those people looked. Israel has to go fight against an army that has never been defeated. A wall that has never been conquered. And they go to battle with a guitar and a flute. Ridiculous. Do you know how ridiculous they looked? Sing to the wall. Not one day, seven. With your guitar and your flute, go to war. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Lord, we're hungry. We want meat. No problem. Go outside. I'm going to rain you quail. Fabulous. You know what that looks like? Put your hand on. I'm going to drop a chicken. Is that not ridiculous? It's ridiculous. Steps of faith look ridiculous. They don't match your logic. They're not meant to back, back your logic. They're meant to bypass your logic. Your logic is subject to faith, not the other way around. Your logic has to come under your faith in the Lord. That's how faith grows. But we've changed all that. And we think now the word has to make sense to me. No, it doesn't. We think God's voice has to make sense to me. No, it doesn't. You just have to obey it. That's it. The church I grew up in is the International Christian Center in Staten Island. Fabulous church. When I was a kid, that church used to be, that when I was a kid, that church used to be in Brooklyn. And we decided, Pastor Crandall, the senior pastor of that church, got a word from the Lord to move to Staten Island. So he goes, he looks at the time, it's the early 80s. Staten Island is known for two things being a swamp and the garbage dump. It's the garbage dump of New York City. That's where they had it. And it's a huge, massive swamp. So he goes out there. God leads him to a piece of property on Richmond Avenue. Richmond Avenue is not developed at the time. And the Lord leads him to buy this property. He buys it. 
by faith. Everyone told him it's a mistake. Nobody's going to Staten Island. Richmond Avenue's not developed. You don't know how to build this. You've never done this before. He heard the voice of the Lord. He did it. He buys the land. He gets a surveyor because he wants to begin to build. The surveyor begins to come out and do his job. He begins to measure the ground. He comes up, he goes, Pastor, you got a really big problem. You can't build on this land. He said, what are you talking about? He goes, the law is very simple. It has to be 12 inches or less deep for you to be able to build on a swamp. He goes, okay, so what do I have? He said, you have 13 inches. He said, so for one inch, they won't let me build. He said, for one inch, they will not let you build. You've been ripped off. Sorry. And he leaves. The church has invested everything they have in this land. So pastor, because he heard God, and he was a man of faith, he grabbed his deacons and his elders and his staff. He said, call the church. Now, you got to remember the early 80s. There's no text. Call the church. <laughs> okay? No email. Call the church. So hundreds of phone calls go out because the church is massive. It's a huge church. He said, meet me at the property at this time, this day. The whole church comes out. We all show up. I was a little kid. I remember. I was so excited. I didn't know what was happening. The pastor had called, so we all ran. And we all get there, and we hold hands around the property, and we begin to pray. Say, God, you gave us your word. People are driving by looking at these ridiculous people, laughing. They don't know what's going on. It looks stupid. It looks ridiculous. And we're praying and praying and praying and praying. We finish praying. Pastor, that everyone stay here. He calls the survey. He says, come back, measure the land. He said, sir, I just measured the land. He said, come back again, humor me. Surveyor shows up. He's ticked off that he has to come back. He's not even talking to us. He's so mad. He's walking around measuring the land once, twice, three times. And we're all sitting there like, what is happening? Now he starts talking to himself. He looks crazy. <laughs> and then he walks over to us. And he said, what, what, did, what did you guys exactly do here? So pastor's like, oh, we were praying. Why? He said, well, he said, I, I measured the land, and it was 13 inches before. He said, what is it now? He goes, it's 11. It's 11. It's 11. That church still stands today. That church has five satellite churches. It has five services every Sunday, one in Spanish, one in Korean. It's a massive sending station for missionaries around the world. Why? Because one man was willing to look ridiculous. One man put his natural mind in check and operated in the spirit. One man. Look what came of it. And you, child of God, you got to learn to put that natural mind in check. You got to put it in check. You got to put it back and allow what it looks like to walk and operate in the spirit of God. You got to begin to know what it looks like to step into the things of God and obey his voice. Because what happens is, as you begin to obey his voice, his voice gets louder. How many have desired to hear the voice of God? Amen. You know what happens? He speaks, you obey. He speaks, you obey. He speaks, you don't obey. He doesn't speak as much. That's just the honest truth. All of you are parents. How do you like speaking when nobody's listening? Go clean your room. Go clean your room. Go clean your room. Oh, now someone's listening? <laughs> right? But you want someone that's listening. God is the same. 
God is looking for people that want to walk in the spirit that are listening, that are listening. And as you listen, his voice gets louder because he knows he can trust you. He knows you'll honor him. He knows you'll do what he's saying. I was in Africa, my first trip to Africa. I was in this place in Tanzania and, and the ground was very, very dangerous where we were. And so the missionary pointed to some lamppost. He said, that's your parameter. Nobody go past that. Ladies especially don't go past that. It's really dangerous where I was. It was late at night. And so we're praying for the sick and God is healing left and right. It was tremendous service. So this woman starts pulling on me and I can't understand it. So I grab a translator and she says that she has a friend that wants me to pray for her, but she's down the road at the hospital. Would I go with her? And I've been given my instruction already. But I have a check in my spirit that says, go with her. So I turned to the missionary. I'm like, hey, Brian. I said, look. I said, this is what's going on. He goes, sis, what's the Lord telling you? I said, the Lord is saying to go. He said, then please be careful. Go. I took one gentleman with me. I took a translator. And we started walking down this road. And I have to tell you, there are no lights <laughs> in some of the streets of Africa. It is pitch black. And we are walking, and you can feel the enemy. And as I'm walking, I just, I just got real bold. I said, let me tell you something, Satan. If I'm walking through here, I'm a child of the Most High God. That means it's not dark anymore. That means there's light now walking through here. And we began to walk and walk and walk and walk. We get to what they call the hospital. It's really not a hospital. It was just this broken down place. And there's this mama sitting there with this baby in her arms. The baby's 18 months. Her name was Beatrice. And Beatrice was so sick. Beatrice was dying. She was dying from dehydration. She was so dehydrated that the doctors gave up on her. They actually walked out when I walked in. They said, we're so sorry, and they left. They couldn't get IVs in her head because the veins kept collapsing. And I said, so, I said, I said, mommy, you called for me? She said, I did. She said, I saw you. I want you to pray for my baby. I said, what do you want me to pray for? She goes, my baby's dying. But if you pray, Jesus will let her live. I said, if Jesus doesn't do it, she goes, then I'll bury my baby in the morning. She said, but he will make her live. And I looked at this baby, and she looked family like a prune. She was all shrinked up because there was no water in her. And she was yellow. And her eyes were rolling in the back of her head, and she was leaned back. She looked so sick. And I leaned forward, and I began to pray. By my second sentence, she popped up. Her eyes focused. Her skin began to straighten out, began to pull right in front of my eyes, began to pull right in front of my eyes. Her color came. And by the time I said amen, Beatrice was sitting up, looking at me, big smile, completely healed, completely healed. That's the church, family. Every logical thing said, you don't go there, you're, it's dangerous. My lateral thinking, you don't go there. You don't put other people in danger. You know, it's, it's foolish. It's not your problem. No, it is my problem. I'm the church. I'm the church. And family, if you want to begin to operate in the things of the Spirit, you need to begin to step out. Let me teach you something. Salvation is free. Everything else requires work. Salvation is free. Everything else requires work. I want to be a man or woman of the Spirit. It requires work. I want to be a giant in the kingdom. It requires work. He already gave you salvation for He's not going to give you everything else. You got to get to work. You got to get on your knees. You got to begin to, to step into the things of the spirit. And I'm going to give you some keys to help you this morning. The first thing is you have to begin to create room for the Holy Spirit. 
He's a gentleman. You know what we did this morning? You were in service. We created room. We didn't do announcements. We threw out some of the things that we needed to do. You know why? Holy Spirit showed up. We asked him to show up. Isn't it silly to ask him to show up and then I give him room? We ask him to show up, then we create the room. And if it meant that I didn't preach, that was fine with me. Because the Holy Spirit was here. He was much more important. And that has to become being part of your life, family. You got to start creating. You want the gifts of the Spirit? You want God to begin to use you? You want prophecy and and miracles? You got to begin to create room for those things. I've heard so many Christians say to me, well, if God wants to give me gifts, he'll just give them. That's not scripture. Scripture says, seek, ask, knock. Seek, ask, knock. He's not Santa Claus. He's looking for you to begin to ask him. Begin to seek him out. God, I want to be used by you. I want your gifts. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask him for it. It's his good pleasure to baptize you. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't stop there. Just being baptized in the Holy Spirit and not going further, it's kind of like putting the keys in the car, turning on the car, but not going anywhere. There's a ride to take. Begin to ask for other things. I want to move in prophecy, God. I want to move in, in miracles, God. I want to have discernment of spirits, God. Begin to ask for these things so that you can be the church. <laughs> Begin to create room in your life for the Holy Spirit. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Be turn off all these things. Even turn off some of your books. Some of you love to read. It's okay. But get in with him too. Sit in his presence. Holy Spirit, ask, I ask him all day, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. And you know what he does when you do that? He does it. He does it. Another thing, begin to surrender deeper regularly. What do you surrender? Your will, your ambition, your pride, your reputation, Because we don't want to look foolish because someone might see us. You guys all remember my story when I was in Guadalajara Airport banging on the gate? I looked ridiculous. Everybody in the waiting room was looking at the crazy woman banging on the window. And then all of them were silenced when they opened up the plane for me. But you got to be willing to be ridiculous. You got to be willing to surrender your will, your thought processes, the way you think. Am I willing to surrender that to the Lord? Am I willing to allow God to have that space of my thinking and my ambition and my pride? Am I willing to be foolish for the kingdom's sake? Am I willing to look ridiculous for the kingdom's sake? Am I willing to do things that other people might think, what what, what are you doing? (laughs) So that God can show up. Because you know what the Bible says? He uses the foolish things of the world to confine the wise. He uses the foolish things of the world to confine the wise. He uses a guitar and a flute to knock down Jericho. He used a little shepherd boy with a rock to kill a giant. Look at these stories. He uses a bunch of people that have never been to war and the people of Israel to conquer everything. He parts the Red Sea because a man stood with a stick. <laughs> Come on. Look at them. He's standing with a stick over the Red Sea. That's like a ridiculous picture. Until the sea parted. Until the sea parted. It wasn't ridiculous after that. 
And you have to be willing to surrender and make room for God to do a work. And the last piece, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for the last piece. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for this piece. And I ask you to lift your hands where you are right now. And the last piece is this. Hallelujah. Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to step out and just be obedient to what he says? Are you willing to step out and just let God have his way in you and through you? Are you willing today for that? To say, you know what, from this point forward, God, you can speak to me because I'll obey. I'll do what you say, God, no matter how ridiculous I look. I'm willing to step out. And today, if your desire is to say, I, I want more of him. I want my faith to be built on the power of the Holy Spirit and not the wisdom of man. I want you to step out and meet me at this altar and let's press together. Let's begin to cry out to God together. Nobody's going to pray for you today. This is about you and God. This is about you pressing into the things of God. This is about you saying, God, I want more of you. I want to be a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered person today. Hallelujah. 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 Balcony will wait for you. Come on down. Hallelujah. Jesus. Keep coming, keep coming. It's all good. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And as you come, just begin to lift your hands. Those that are in your seats, lift your hands with me. Participate with us. Hallelujah. Just begin to ask for more, 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 more. Ask for His Spirit to come today. Ask for his spirit to come over you today. Hallelujah. Wherever you are in your walk, if, you're, if you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask him today. If you need to go deeper, ask him today. Whatever you need this morning, begin to ask, begin to ask. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 hallelujah. Come on, begin to open up your mouth in this place right now. Begin to open up your mouth in this place. Let's make this place full of prayer this morning. Let's make this place full of people pressing into God this morning. Jesus, 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 that's it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's there, just keep pressing in, family, it's there. We're not going to get tired. We're just going to keep pressing this morning. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 
The Lord is releasing all over this room this morning. Just begin to press in, family. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, go for it right now. Ask Him for it right now. If you're asking for the Holy Spirit to expand in you, ask Him right now. This is the moment. Don't miss the moment. It's here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Move in this place this morning, God. is the word more, 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 more. So keep saying it, more, more. That's the word today, more. Jesus, 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 more, more. More of who you are today, God. More, 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 more. So no, 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 Baboso. Jesus, Jesus, more, more, more. Jesus, Jesus, and Lord God we refuse to be average or complacent we refuse just to be good Christians Lord God we want to be the church on fire God we want to be the men and women you've called us to be Lord God we want to be filled with you Jesus we want to be the church that you built Jesus we don't want to be anything else, Lord God. We're not interested in being anything else this morning. We want your gifts on display so that your name can be made famous, Jesus. We want your power flowing, Jesus. 
And so, Lord, because of that, we check our own wisdom this morning. We check our own understanding this morning. Lord, we don't want to be wise in our own eyes, Lord God. We want to be wise in your eyes, Jesus. And so we check our own wisdom this morning. We want our faith built on the power of your spirit and not the wisdom of man, Lord God. We don't want to be con convinced by persuasive words today, Lord God. We want to be convinced by the power of your spirit, God. Holy Spirit, would you have your way this morning? Over us, pour over us this morning. Pour over us this morning. We're making room for you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we're making room for you. We are surrendering everything to you the best way we know how this morning. And we're asking you to fill every compartment in us today, every part of our being. We want to be the church on fire for you. We want to be anointed from head to toe, Lord God. We want to reflect you, Jesus. We want to reflect you. We want your gifts because we want people to be set free, Lord God. We want your gifts because we want to see your power flow, Lord God. We want to see the sick healed, Lord God. We want to see you move, God. So Lord, today, Lord God, we now release your gifts over your body right now in the name of Jesus. We commission the release of your gifts right now over your body right now in the name of Jesus. Myself and the pastors of this church stand as the spiritual authorities this morning, Lord God. And we release your gifts, Lord God, over your people right now. We commission it right now, the release of your gifts over this house this morning in the name of Jesus. We release it now, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That we would operate under an open heaven from this point forward, God. That prophecy and miracles and healing and deliverances would be a marker of this church, Lord God. That the gifts would not be scarce in this house. They would be abundant in this house. In the name of Jesus. And they wouldn't be just for us to use in this house, Lord God. It would be used in every house, Lord God. Every house outside this door, Lord God. Everywhere that we go, Lord. Your power and your anointing would go. The gifts would go. And freedom would come. And deliverance would come. We commission it today, God. We release it right now over your people this morning. We release it over your people this morning in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 hallelujah, Jesus.
second we're going to pray again Pastor Rick and I talked about this in between services about releasing and commissioning and so you need to understand that now that we've done that some of you are going to be asked by God to do some ridiculous things you're going to be at a restaurant and God might ask you to pray for somebody you know what you got to do go pray for them I have this woman that I've been ministering to in a restaurant. She's a waitress there. And we started a discussion about hair. And I entertained a discussion about hair for six months because I knew God was doing something. And one day I asked her, what's, what's going on? And she said, oh, I'm in a lot of pain in my feet. I have these issues with my feet. And I said, can I pray for you? She was, well, not here because I'm working. I said, no problem. I said, God will set up another time. A week later, I saw her in another restaurant where she was sitting with her family. I said, can I pray for you now? She said, absolutely. God healed her in the middle of that diner. She sat in the diner weeping, her husband in shock, and her son was like, who's your crazy friend? But she was healed. But I had to be willing to maybe be a little ridiculous. So you want to be used of God? We've released it. Now it's here. It's like a gift. Someone in the first service saw angels dropping gifts over the body. It's powerful. So powerful. <laughs> now what happens is that gift is there. You got to open it. You got to open it up. You got to begin to use it. So now God begins to ask you to be the church on mission outside, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to be willing to do it. And let me tell you something. It's okay to make a mistake. Do you hear me? What's the worst that can happen? You prayed for somebody. So what? What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Make a mistake. Better to do something in faith than nothing in fear. Do you hear me? Better to do something in faith. Than nothing in fear. You'll learn. But don't not do it. Do it make a mistake it's okay I'm telling you it's okay you'll learn do it again and do it again and do it again and you will nail it and you will grow and you will now feel the spirit of God growing in you man and once you begin to operate in that there's no turning back you're in amen amen hallelujah hallelujah thank you God can we applaud the Lord hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pastor Rick, why don't you pray us out this Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands this morning, this afternoon. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just take control. God, we yield ourselves to you. God, I pray that even what you how you met, met us today, I pray that it would mark us for eternity. That it would wreck us, God, that it would not allow us to continue in the ways that we used to be or to do what we've always done. But God, that we would risk the ridiculous 
to experience the supernatural. That we would step out in faith rather than do nothing in fear. So I commission your people today to go forth in your power and in your anointing and the fullness of your spirit. Because God, you did not just give us a little portion of the spirit, you've given us the full portion of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, God, that now as we've already heard testimonies of your power working, we declare, do it again, God. We declare healings and miracles and signs and wonders following your sons and your daughters stepping out in obedience. So we, we pray, God, your power to be upon us, God, and I commission your people to go forward in your power. In Jesus' name, we receive it today. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen.